Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. I'm very happy to start off the 2021 season of Do Not Listen to This Podcast with a good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Abby. Abby, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure. My name is Abby Yamamoto. Um, so I am someone who seems to be always a minority, and that makes me think about how to communicate most effectively and negotiate the world from different perspectives all the time. So using that, um, I do cross-cultural consulting, That's and specializing. That's, we're going to get mm-hmm. into that in, into the show for sure. So um, if, you, if you're new to the podcast, just go to do not listen to this podcast.com. Um, we, what we do is we take half of your donations and feed stray cats and dogs with that. We did 2000 last year and we only were on for a couple months. So we will beat that this year. Um, and, but for 2021, I'm focusing on kind of three topics and this is why I wanted to have you on. Cause I think the cross-cultural stuff hits all of them. Um, in these episodes, I want uh, to cover either creativity, business growth, or leadership. So, and I, and I think this, this topic kind of is a big, I think cross-cultural is a big topic for 2021. I think people need to get their head around it. So why don't you break down, and also you're highly educated. You, <laughs> Thank you. Have, you. you have, you're a doctor, right? I, I do. I have yeah. a PhD. I, mm-hmm. I, so, so this is important. And these things are important. I, I'm, I'm sick of people making fun of educated people. Um, <laughs> I want to champion the educated people. Thank you. So uh, let's talk about what cross-cultural um, is and, and what it is not. So jump in. Yeah, so I would say um, what cross-cultural communication is, is understanding that what might be true for you might not be true for someone else. Right. Um, and just coming in with that level of humility of assuming that you do not represent everyone. And right. starting from that place is, I think, very helpful. Um, I mean, it's generally helpful, right? Mm-hmm. But with cross-cultural communication, I think what's tricky is that what's considered to be like general politeness and extreme humility is actually the core. And so it's no longer the fringe, you know, sort of nice to haves, but becomes the must haves. Mm-hmm. Um, and without that aspect, you really, I mean, you really kind of lose out. You can't really do this. The golden rule, what works for me, works for you. Sort yeah, of that's thing. right. I think that oversimplification that people do in their head of that we're all the same, which, yeah. okay. Yeah. We all have a body and we all have a mind and we all have that <laughs> stuff but we're not all the same. We're actually all quite different. And the cultural matrix will determine behaviors. Yeah. um, Whether you like it or not. And I mean, you, you, I mean, um, I, when I studied in international business, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite uh, courses was the cross-cultural course because it really it, it started out with the number one thing everybody does is have a search for similarity mm. it's the biggest mistake that we all make we're all looking to do business with the people that are like us and but that's yeah. just that isn't really what we really want to do um yeah and and so how 
how did you get into the cross-cultural stuff? Um, other, well, other than being born into it, because uh, <laughs> right. we can tell yeah, from yeah. your last name, there's, you're, you're Japanese, right? So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I grew up a racial, ethnic, and religious minority, and I'm glad this is not being video recorded right now. <laughs> so it's, it's being video recorded, but I will not play the video. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> so, all right. And being born into that, like certainly makes for it, but like, you know, just being that actually is, it's a good start. It doesn't a, determine everything. That's right. Because it's a double minority thing right out of the box. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, one of the um, pitfalls that minorities can fall into is that mm -hmm. I'm a minority and therefore I know what it means to be a minority. And they kind of forget that they're, many different ways to be a minority also, just the way there are many different ways to be a majority. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're bringing up an interesting point. I mean, um, at some point in time, we will all get the experience of being the minority. So like, for example, when mm -hmm. I lived in Saudi Arabia or living in Thailand, I get the experience of being a minority, mm -hmm. um, but I also have some other advantages, right? I, 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 I yeah. have, you know, I, I'm not, I, and you have to be aware of that. You have to be mindful of that. And so wh what's been the most interesting thing that's ever happened to you or for you or with you on a cross-cultural project? What's been the most interesting thing? Or, or mm. unusual or, you know. I mean, for me, currently, I'm working with a lot of um, immigrants from Central Africa. Okay. Um, and it's in, like in Maine, right? In Maine. In Maine. So yeah. That's yeah. actually the definition of a minority, right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, yes. There's not a lot of them. No. Right. No, okay, so, I mean, yeah. So what, do you do? Also, so what are you What are you doing with that? That's a very that's a that's that's really cool. What's What's going on with that? So some of them are board members um, of the organization that right now I'm executive director of. Right. And, and some of them are people, uh, community members that we're working with. And right now there's a lot of COVID support stuff going around gotcha. because it's, you know, interrupting, drastically interrupting people's lives. And because it's such a weird, you know, it's such a weird um, disease or it's not really a disease but it's such a weird like condition where like mm -hmm. even if you don't you're not actively sick like if you're identified as a close contact so if anyone in your family becomes sick and you basically by definition of family members a close contact you can't go out right. so like whether you have money or not you can't right. shop you can't get your prescription medication and these are like really basic necessities that everyone needs right yeah so you know doing that kind of support is one of the like kind of exceptional things that we're doing right now in the middle of COVID. Um, but what's really interesting about, so because my specialty has been mostly like Japan mm -hmm. and the US, because you know my degree is in Japanese and Korean studies. And so, but from an American university, so really, um, you know, my specialty is really explaining how things are different and how to so, address so that. Do that. So how are things different in Japan and how are things different in Korea? Mm. So 
Well, there are like three different areas, the Japan, Korea, Japan, US and Korea, US matrix. Okay. And one of the things that's been really interesting for me to observe is that in countries where like Christianity is the majority, mm-hmm. there really is, there really are certain commonalities that run through yeah. that don't run through in countries that don't share that. Right. So like Japan is not a majority Christian country at all. No. Korea has a very strong evangelical Christian presence. It's not quite majority, but it's like, it's large. It's like almost half the population. And how did that, and, how did, how mm-hmm. did that come about? Hmm. So interesting. Because I, I wouldn't, you know, it's funny. I mean, as you say that, I mean, I know it's true because I've experienced it, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't as I wouldn't put the evangelicals and the South Koreans. Uh, we're talking about South Korea here, not, not mm-hmm. North Korea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put I wouldn't put them as um, together, but they are. Yeah. Well, actually evangelical Christianity or more conservative forms of Christianity have a much closer affinity to Korean culture because of the Confucianism and the Mm. idea of like gender separation and a sense of hierarchy. So there's already affinity there. And also during the Japanese occupation of Korea from 1910 to 1935, a lot of um, Christian missionaries were very active in the Mm. anti-colonial movement. And so there was a lot of um, right. sort of goodwill built around that as well. Gotcha. And a lot of people forget that Japan was in control of quite a bit of Asia for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of, you know. And those wounds haven't, effects. Those wounds haven't uh, healed automatically or instantly. No. So that's a, really. that's, a, that's a cross-cultural thing that I think people don't understand. It's like, you know, when you grow up in a, a specific country, you understand the wounds of that country, mm-hmm. not the wounds of the other country. And you, and so you, and you have to be able to sort through that stuff if you want to do kind of international business. And you also kind of want to, and everybody, what, what people understand is everybody's doing international business right now, whether they want to or not. If, you are, if you're on social media, you're doing international business. Yeah, definitely. So- when the uh, so what would be the biggest difference between somebody wanting to work with um, a Korean business and somebody wanting to from the U.S. somebody wanting to work mm-hmm. with a Korean business and somebody wanting to work with a Japanese business? What would be the big differences there? Um, I think one of the biggest difference. Um, I think the Korean business is going to. And I'm talking generalities. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, this, that's the yeah. other thing too. That's right. That's yeah. Right. When you're talking cross culture, you are speaking general terms. Yeah. And it's not. Um, it's, it's you. You have to kind of identify the generalities of it to get to the specifics. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, just because also it's depending on the field and depending on the specific company you work with, right. like sure. the approaches might be different. Right. But. Um, you know, putting that aside, generally speaking, I think the Korean business is going to behave more the way the American business is, assumes, okay. like business goes. Right. Um, well, as opposed I to, if, I can say from my experience, if you're doing business, in my experience, if you're doing business with Korean entities, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing a lot of drinking, a lot of eating, <laughs> and a lot of karaoke. 
Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. So there's a lot more like entertainment aspect.、Right. And that used to be more true in Japan too. It's just that there's been a lot of laws around it、right. that have made it、um, more difficult,、um, both in terms of expenditures and also legally, because there, there's so much about like gift giving that is legally、mm. legislated that didn't used to be like when it was first introduced, the legislation was introduced, it was not like, It wasn't taken too seriously, but then、mm-hmm. enforcement has become like stricter. Gotcha.、Um, and like drinking and driving also like has become much stricter in its enforcement.、Right. And so there's whole social infrastructure around it, which also means that in business, it's not done as much as it used to be, too. Right. So there are a lot of similarities that, for legal and historical reasons, have kind of veered off.、Mm-hmm. So what's useful, and I used to say this when. I taught like Japanese studies in general, also,、um, was like, you know, if you understand like sort of the basic history of where things come from,、mm-hmm. it becomes a lot easier to then figure out what, what what's is, going so on. So let's break down what is the basic history because I think that'll help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Japan and South Korea, like、um, a little more recently, I would say the basic history to sort of keep in mind is that they both have. Um, you know, the form of classical knowledge for them was Chinese classical knowledge, right? So、mm-hmm. the educated person knows the、um, Chinese classics extremely well, but also there was this big interruption with Japanese imperialism that really affected also the culture of the region. And so when you start thinking about like modern forms of knowledge in the area, it was. There was a big introduction of Western knowledge and theory, and a lot of it was、um, introduced through Japan. And so、mm-hmm. then, knowing like Japanese things in Japan came to take on this hue of like excellence、mm-hmm. um, and intellectuality、um, for like for the first half of the 20th century.、Mm-hmm. And so, there are certain cultural practices that.、Um, Like the sort of the respect for authority and respect for academic achievement, but also artistic achievement, and this ideal of being、um, both learn, a learned scholar and a strong um, um, military person, that concept is from Confucianism from like、mm. thousands of years ago in China,、gotcha. right? That's what, all the way, all the way back, yeah. All the way. And like also the examination system. Like that's how you made it and became a high,、um, you know, a high official.、Gotcha. You had to be excellent both in the arts and in the military arts, right? Right, the martial arts.、Um, and, you know, and also, so like politics, was, of course, was important, but you, you climbed through that through your examination systems.、Mm-hmm. And so, when you understand that, you come to understand why, like in Japan, Korea, and China, exams and academic achievement is seen as such an important aspect of life.、Right. I mean, this has been true for thousands of years. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not that they take it more seriously, it's just that it is more serious. Yeah. The consequences are much more serious. Outside looking in, people say, well, that's very serious. It's like, well, no, no, it's, it's serious. <laughs> Whereas well, education in the US is not serious. Well, there's a difference, I think, and I've thought about this a lot, and also in higher education. Like, there's an assumption,、um, 
And there's kind of a form of respect that if you are high achieving, that you should get compensated well, because you're really close to sort of rulers, because mm-hmm. traditionally the highly educated were the rulers, right? And this right. is very different, I think, from the West. And, and the higher education institutions were places to cultivate and nurture those people. Right. But, and, you know, climbing through the social ladder through education was how it was done. I mean, you had to come from a, you know, good standing family too. Sure. But the perception is that you get through like ma- doing well on the exams, right? Right. And on the West, I think there's, in the West is such a big way to put it, but what I've seen in the US, which I think comes from a lot of like Western European culture, you know, education is the plaything for the aristocrats mm. to do, like especially the humanities is something that, you know, people, um, you know, people who have a little extra time on their hands and who basically have their livelihood taken care of because they're born into these big castles, you know. Yeah. So I watched the four season of the crown and that really reinforced it for me, like writing and you know, right. poetry and stuff like that. It's the plaything for the people who are rich and aristocratic. Right. And so you don't need to pay them well because they already have a source of income. The, w- the way I try to break it down for um, international, for clients that want to do international business on, on the consulting side, mm-hmm. is if I'm working with an American company or group that wants to do work in Asia, I will just say to them, look, everything that you did to become successful in the U.S., right, won't work. You, I it think will, that's true. It will not work. You just need to do the opposite of it. Mm-hmm. And if you do the opposite of it, you'll have a much greater chance at, at, at succeeding because it is that big, giant difference between the culture that's more focused on the individual achievements versus the collective group of people being more important than any one person. Um, and if I'm working with Asian companies or Asian-based people that want to go do the, the U.S., what I say to them is all that stuff that you're worried about in your country the saving face stuff, the, you know, all of that stuff that you have to worry about doesn't matter. Have at it, go have fun, <laughs> you know, let, let loose a little bit and you'll be more successful. Yeah. It's hard though, because some people are repressing those parts and some sure. people it's become so natural for them Yeah, or that's, that's their personality. It works so well. Yeah. And that's why it's hard. That's why it's hard. That's why international business is hard because you have to do everything the opposite of what you think to be right. Because again, that, you know, we're all right from our own perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so if once you realize, okay, everybody thinks they're right, then, then trying to get right wrong really becomes like a non-issue. It's just like, how, what are we going to do? And, Mm-hmm. How, how are we going to share stuff? I think that it, people need to understand that they're not the audience. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. The flip side of what I was saying earlier, right? Like what's right for you is not right for others. And, and, and what's right. You're for not you, the audience. That's right. You're not the, like I, like I, what I like to say to a lot of people is, you know, you're not the buyer. So 
Stop yeah. acting like you're the buyer. You, yeah. You're the seller, right? Um, do yeah, you, I, oh, go ahead. yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think where people struggle is like understanding, like even if they get to that point of understanding that, yes. Yes. then they don't understand how to vet the person who's going to be that interlocutor for them. Yes. And what I find often what people try to do that they think, oh, you know, so-and-so speaks functional English and they're from such and such place. So they can oh, explain yeah. to me Big the difference. Mistake. Big mistake. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if you're just talking about anecdotal stuff, getting along with like, you know, community members where the stakes are low and you could screw up a little bit and it's not going to like put in a million dollar hole in your sales. I think that's fine. Right. And in some ways for interpersonal relationships like that, those like those little mistakes are kind of charming, right? It's the imperfections that make you, right. you know, personal and it, it makes the com communication and relationship much more human because you're both making mistakes right. and through that deepening your relationship. But That's in right. a business relation, in a business relationship where you really have to like get it right basically the first time, and that this is especially true with Japanese companies, Korean companies tend to have a little more give. And, it, and I know some Japanese companies that have a little more give too, but in general, and especially the more elite they become, the less forgiving they are of these little- Yeah, you got, you got one shot because, you got one shot because yeah. in Asian cultures, this is the other thing I try to tell people, that it might take you nine months, might take you 18 months, might take you a year, and it could oh, take more. two, three years, could take <laughs> five years to get in. Yeah. But once you're in, you're in forever. Yeah. That's why it's hard. That's why there's so much of that. Um, what feels like a wall on the front end. It's like, I mean, it's not happening now because travel's impacted. But when people would ask me for advice on business travel to certain countries, I'd say, well, how long are you going for? You know, and they mm -hmm. typically they'd say, oh, I'm going for like five days or whatever. And I go, well, forget it. Don't, don't waste your time. You want to do business in that country? Go for a month. And then maybe you're going to scratch the surface a little bit. Yeah, or you could like return a few times. So you got to be keeping it up. And the long distance keeping up is not the same. Yeah, and, and the reason effect. the reason I, I the reason I tend to err against the, the repeat visits is that you really I think it's really important to immerse yourself in that culture. Oh, so for the education of the client. So that you're not so. getting the safe exit to the airport when things uh -huh. aren't going your way. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, if there's that aspect, yeah, definitely. You're gonna get out in 30 days. That's fine. That's that's fine. But you know, as I mean, in some countries, the deal will get done right when you're on the way to the airport. Wow. Yeah, not just in simply Japan just or in, Korea. In, yeah, but in some <laughs> in some countries, it will happen that way just because you did the time, because you mm. came, and you everything will happen last minute. But. Um, yeah, I think I think that's what's. I just think it's important for people to understand that everybody views the world differently, and everybody views the world as though they're right. Yeah, yeah. And how do you get in and find that common ground? So, what would you want the listeners to take away about cross cultural in general from this? Anybody that listened all the way up to this part of the podcast. <laughs> Um, yes, thank you for listening this far. Uh, um, what was, I, I think I would like them to um, 
I think I would like people to just sort of understand that cross-cultural communication actually starts from understanding yourself really well. Yeah. And it's based in self-knowledge because if you don't understand yourself really well, you're not going to understand how you're different from other people. Big, big and point. so, yeah, knowing the other actually starts with knowing yourself. Right. No, that's, that's a really great point. I think that if people understand that uh, if, you, if you know yourself and you're comfortable with yourself, like you're saying, then you have a chance at communicating with somebody else that's different. Yeah. Great message. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Roger.